Welcome back to episode number 12 of Metro Talks. We hope you haven't missed us in the past few weeks, but fortunately, we have a very interesting topic in store today. We're excited to welcome back our Rocky Point Clinical Director, Connor Schmidt, to the show. Connor was on previous episodes with Dr. Javid, but this time he will be speaking on his specialty, blood flow restriction therapy. For those who are interested in the newer, more innovative treatment options, as well as strength building protocols, this is a great show for you. All right, Connor, so we've been hearing more and more about blood flow restriction therapy. Um, can you tell us exactly what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, John. Um, BFR is uh, it's an up-and-coming modality. Um, technically, it's been around for a while, but um, it's starting to gain a lot more traction in the rehab world. It is basically a modality in which a tourniquet is applied to an extremity, so either your arms or your legs, and um, a certain percentage of blood flow is restricted, uh, which I'll get into later. Um, and while restricting that blood flow, um, you're going to apply mechanical stress or lifting weights um, to achieve physiologic gains. Um, the benefit of BFR and why we do this is that threshold to achieve those gains, um, most common strength and hypertrophy, but there are others that I'll get into later, is reduced. Um, so it takes a lot lower load, a lot lower threshold to get similar or even uh, the same gains as lifting heavier weights. So I know you mentioned, you said it's, it's been around for a while, uh, but it seems to be something that's becoming more, more relevant. So uh, really, how long ago did it start and uh, why did it start? Like, what was the, the idea behind it? Uh, yeah, thanks, Matt. That's a great question. Um, technically, the first known mention of this was back in 1966. Um, there's a Buddhist monk uh, who's now known, who is now a doctor. His name is Dr. Yoshiaki Sato. He was attending a Buddhist festival when he, he was kneeling and his calves fell asleep um, during a prayer. After he started to kind of massage out his calves and noticed um, he got like a almost like a similar soreness after a workout, like that that quote unquote pump feeling you get after a workout. Um, and it led to, you know, fast forward a few years, it led to him developing and patenting a technique known as Katsu or K-A-A-T-A-T-S-U. This was the first known form of blood flow restriction therapy, or BFR. Uh, fast forward a couple generations, um, it's been in the literature, uh, a lot of muscle physiologists have explored it, but more recently, um, two main guys in uh, the BFR world came about. One is uh, Johnny Owens, he's a physical therapist out of the Center for the Intrepid. He has really popularized this in the rehab world. Um, he started with a lot of warriors and soldiers coming back from the Af Afghan-Iraq war um, and was tasked with essentially getting them back to um, either active duty or good quality of life after, you know, parts of their limbs have been blown off or they were shot or, or, or what have you. Mm. Um he was having a lot of trouble with this and then kind of went through the literature and basically found like uh, found this BFR, which again, until him, was really more in the research world, more kind of theoretical in academia. So he kind of took that and put it into the clinical setting. The other guy is Jeremy Lenicky. Um, he's an assistant professor and I'm blanking on the school right now. I think it might be Mississippi. I know it's down south, um, but he's... He's kind of known as almost the godfather of BFR. He has really taken it in the research world and done contributed to it tremendously. 
So, and that's all been in the past uh, decade or so. So those guys really brought it about, but you know, that's just a long way of saying it started in 1966 and about 10 years ago is when it really started to get popular. That's interesting. So it's really been around for some time. I know. Yeah, no, it's in Japan. It's been around since the sixties. Uh, uh, but again, it was known as Katsu. Um, more recently, BFR. I think the first known paper to actually call it BFR was in 1985. But I could be mistaking that date, but it was around that time when when the term blood flow restriction therapy was coined. That's interesting. And you know, you being a physical therapist, uh, what can you say with how can it be used in a rehab setting? So. Yeah, this is a this is a modality that's really kind of hit home with me, um, and I say that because there were so many patients that I got stuck with um, in rehab, and we just we couldn't make strength gains because what we were doing wasn't enough stress to basically get those gains or get them stronger. And if I loaded them any heavier, they were in too much pain. So I was really at a, at a crossroads and can't tell you how many times I would leave work or stay up at night thinking of these patients. What can I do? Can I try this stuff? And trying to get rid of their pain to, to load them heavier or something like that. Um, and then about, about a year and a half, actually, you stumbled upon a podcast from Johnny Owens. And that I kind of, we were, uh, I was yeah. actually with you. Yeah, about that. yeah, yeah. So I, I, was, I kind of was like, what the heck is this? And delved into it. And uh, long story short, found a private course that a friend of mine got me into. And here we are. I use it with uh, probably more than half my patients now. I've had amazing success that I'll get into later. Um, but to get back to your question, John, mainly right now there's a there's a wealth of data, over 160 articles on this. Most of those have shown that uh, strength and hypertrophy for muscles. So um, typical ACSM or American College of Sports Medicine guidelines say to really build up strength and hypertrophy, you need to lift a major muscle group two to three days a week, eight to 12 reps at an intensity of at least 65% of your one rep max, 70 to 75% is ideal. Um, basically that means if um, I wanted to gain strength and hypertrophy in my, let's say my chest and my one rep max on bench press was hundred pounds, that means hundred pounds, I can only do it once. Um, I need to lift 70 to 75 pounds, three, eight to 12 times, two to three days a week uh, for each 12 weeks. That's a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially for patients in the rehab setting. Right. Um, you can imagine that that's essentially not feasible. So what does BFR do? Well, you apply the tourniquet, um, and again, we'll get into the specific pressures and stuff, but uh, you can lower that threshold to 10 to 30%. So all of a sudden, that 70 to 75 pounds goes down to 10 to 30 pounds. Um, a lot less stress on the joints, a lot less stress on the patient, much more tolerable, and um, you know, just kind of overall good. Um, do the I know the weight you said the weight decreases. Does the, does the volume, the amount of reps that a patient has to do, also decrease with this? Or so are those guidelines still the same? No, the it, that that's a great question. Actually, that does um, that does change the the agreed upon uh, BFR protocol, if you will, is you do one set of thirty, and that's your primer set. So you do thirty reps straight. That's after you apply the tourniquet, that's kind of to flush all of the oxygenated blood out. Then you're going to rest for 30 seconds, and then you do three sets of 15, each with a 30-second rest in between. So that's that's your kind of hypertrophy sets. So that three, that's more higher volume. So it's 75 reps total, but again, remember, you're at 10 to 30% of your one 
max. If you were to do that without a tourniquet, most people can do that, no problem. Is uh, that 30 second rest pretty standard for everyone? No yeah, it's 30 to 60. Um, I was trained by the Owens Recovery Science um, Institute, uh, founded by Johnny Owens, who I mentioned earlier. Um, that's their protocol. I have seen in the research and the literature um, up to 60 seconds rest, but I go by the 30 seconds. So I, I, if you're going to get into this later, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but what about uh, the occlusion helps uh, with, with the hypertrophy? For those of you who are listening, hypertrophy is just muscle growth. Um, and then the strength, is there some, like, what about actually occluding the blood flow So makes it so successful? So I'm not a muscle physiologist, okay. so there are many, many theories out there, all well-studied, well-documented. Um, there's probably, multi, there are multiple things going on, um, but to, to kind of simplify it in ways that I explain to my patients, when you want to, going back to aerobic and anaerobic metabolism, if anybody can think back to their high, high school, college bio <laughs> class. Um, when we lift weights, we're undergoing anaerobic metabolism. That uh, basically means um, with oxygen-deprived metabolism. It's, it's how our body functions without oxygen or in low-level oxygen environments. Um, that, that's how we hypertrophy our muscles, or Mallory said, we, we grow the muscles. Um, by tourniqueting the muscle, you're depriving, or turn, I'm sorry, tourniqueting the limb, you're depriving the muscle of oxygen um, already. Mm. So it's steady state, baseline state, if you will, is already oxygen deprived. Mm. So you, it transitions into that anaerobic metabolism, again, at a much easier and lower mm. load than it would require without that tourniquet. Makes sense. Uh, sorry, you were going to ask another question? Yeah, um, no. Uh, so I was, I was going to say, just real quick, so strength and hypertrophy are the main reasons this is used. It's pretty interesting, and I've been trying to keep up with the research. There are some more stuff. Um, VO2 max is actually something that's been shown to increase uh, right now, mostly in untrained individuals, but there is some studies coming out on trained individuals. Uh, for those of you who don't know, VO2 max is the primary uh, uh, marker of uh, like cardiovascular fitness, so like runners and stuff like that. They, right. they would have higher VO2 max. So that, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Basically, you can strap this on and walk or cycle for 10 minutes a day and increase your cardiovascular endurance. So that's something else I'm using with my patients, especially my deconditioned patients. And finally, uh, this was very interesting. This is a recent study from 2018 by, I'll butcher the name, um, et al. Uh, they, passed, they put BFR on coma patients in the ICU. And um, they passively mobilized them. And uh, they only used it on one limb. And comparing, they found a decrease in muscle atrophy and, limb, and uh, less of a loss in limb circumference once I compared to the other when used with BFR. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's, it's um, I have a few colleagues and friends that are uh, ER doctors, and they, they were very interested in that study. Mm. It's pretty cool. So you can actually limit the... Uh, decrease in function from these patients in comas and ICU right. without actually having to exercise them. All you got to do is strap BFR on them five minutes, a couple times a day. Yeah, that's great to hear because I feel like a lot of these people, you know, listeners now might be more interested in the fitness side of things, but to hear about serious cases like that, yeah, uh, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, and being where we are in the COVID era, um, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of COVID patients that get admitted to the hospital need to get uh, trained or intubated. They're, they're in there for four weeks. They're placed in right. medically right. induced yeah. comas. So, Walking out of there, some of them can't even do. It. They get wheeled out. 
you know. So, you know, you, you can imagine walking into a hospital uh, saying you don't feel well, getting diagnosed with COVID, right. getting placed on in, into it, you know, getting intubated, and then four weeks later waking up and you can't walk. I mean, this could be a major game changer. But again, that's that's speculation. I get a little far ahead of myself with this. <laughs> no, I mean, that's great. It sounds like there's obviously a lot of really practical uses for this, not only for strength training, you know, muscle strength, but you're talking about cardiovascular health and then really just preservation for some pretty serious conditions. So it seems like yeah, yeah it like, seems like this is really something that uh, we'll be seeing a lot more of yeah, for a lot um, of reasons. Yeah, and just speaking from personal experience, I have a, I have a young girl uh, who's about to be discharged. She's a, uh, ACL. Um, my colleague was actually seeing her, and she did everything right. She did a couple weeks of prehab. She uh, this is sorry, this is an ACL patient. Uh, she did a couple weeks of prehab. She got the surgery. She was in ascent, maybe not the next day, but within the first week, um, everything was done right. Ranging it, uh, Russian stem to the quads, uh, followed the guidelines impeccably. I mean, my colleague did everything right. She did everything right. The surgeon did an amazing job. Uh, four, I'm sorry, five weeks post-op, she still couldn't do a straight leg raise, which for those of you listening should be done within a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, her quad was not firing. It was kind of mushy. Mm-hmm. She, she was limping. Um, it, it, you know, she was, and she was really upset, rightfully so. I mean, she did everything right. She spent a lot of time, energy doing it. BFR within four sessions, she could do a straight leg raise within four weeks. Ah, she was right. That's incredible. That's yeah. great. So, yeah, and that's got to be beneficial because I would imagine if she's having difficulty doing just basic straight leg raises, you obviously that's not a patient that you can load. Yeah, and no, we can, yeah, no, exactly. You can't so load. What other options do you really have? That's it's for for some reason that quad wasn't firing, so we started doing BFR twice a week, and within four weeks she was sorry, not four weeks running. Within four weeks she was uh, um, squatting and doing leg press, and then at the twelve week mark she was right back on track. She was cleared to run. It's amazing. So. Yeah. Pretty pretty interesting stuff from my standpoint. So there's a real life yeah. success story right here, at, you know, at one of our offices. Um, so we were talking a lot about how um, you know potentially injured or people dealing with various pathologies and things might benefit from BFR. So what about someone who's listening right now who's not injured and they're just maybe not into lifting big weights and you know don't want to stress their body that way is this a practical application for someone who's not dealing with any injuries so that matt is a fantastic question and i will start off by saying a hard yes um <laughs> uh, with covid and gym shutting down and everything i have actually been doing this several times a week in the clinic um just to kind of maintain and maybe even gain some muscle mass um but yes this had this technique is actually in the bodybuilding world um to they use them as what's uh, quote unquote finishers. Okay. So they'll they'll do their bodybuilding routine and then end with 10, 15 minutes of BFR to kind of tack on that extra mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's showing promising results. Um, for someone who, let's say, doesn't want to be a bodybuilder or <laughs> you know doesn't want to put on a ton of mass, it's still a very good, safe modality. Uh, we'll get into the safety next. But um, to use to kind of maybe... Um, get back in shape if you don't want to lift heavy weights, protect your joints. Um, but short answer is yes, uh, non-injured persons can benefit tremendously from this as well. That's great to hear. And, uh, you know, I know you started to touch on safety there too. And, you know, there's so many benefits that we've heard on your side of things too. Is there, would you say that's really safe for anyone to use? 
So safety, so short answer is yes. Uh, it's, it's very safe. In fact, there's been, I mentioned before, there's over 160 articles. A lot of those articles are, de are devoted to the safety. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about safety, the first thing people ask is, what about blood loss? Right? You're, you're occluding the blood. And uh, in, in the lower extremity, the ideal occlusion is 80% of what's called your limb occlusion pressure. That's a personalized pressure um, the clinician would take to find the minimal amount of pressure in the cuff to completely occlude blood supply. So in the leg, you want to go to about 80% of that. In the arm, it's about 50%. Um, those, again, I was trained by Owens Recovery Institute. Um, those are what they taught us. It varies a little in the literature. I've seen as low as 40 in the arms and 60 in the legs. Um, but, you know, I'd say 60 to 80 in the legs and 40 to 50 in the arms is kind of what you want to shoot for. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. It sounds scary. So, again, the first thing people ask is, well, what about blood clots? So... Uh, it's a great question. It's a valid question. Um, so what a lot of the muscle phys guys did is they looked at, there's been some retrospective studies of BFR and looking at blood clots, but mainly what they do is they look at markers. So when we screen for blood clots, there's something called a D-dimer. It's a predictor of blood clots. Um, there's something called fibrin um, and some other stuff that I don't want to get into. So what they did is they would, they would, hook this BFR up to healthy people, healthy patients, and kind of do, do the workout, do that, and then take blood samples and screen for this stuff. And uh, not only has there been really no increase in any of the, the, the bad stuff, if you will, but they've actually found there's fibrin fibrinolytic uh, factors, which basically means uh, clot busters. Mm. So while, to my knowledge, it hasn't been tested in theory, uh, somebody with a clot could actually benefit from BFR due to these fibrinolytic factors. Ethically, I don't think that's ever going to be tested, <laughs> nor would I ever want anyone to test that. But um, according to these studies with fibrinolytic uh, factors that are released, it, it could help dissipate these clots. Uh, and uh, I guess another question I have for you too is how much of that comes into play and where you're placing the restrictions on your body? Like, does that ever really affect, you know, I know you said it doesn't really have a major impact on the blood clots, but does anywhere can you place these restrictions anywhere? So we're taught, again, in Owens, and as far as I know, most of the research, you, you want to go as proximal as you can to the, to the torso. Okay. Um, so anytime I do it with my patients, it's as high as I can on the thigh or as high as I can on the arm. Mm. Um, the reason that being is everything distal is getting occluded. Right. So like if I put it on the forearm, you're going to get the same occlusion, let's, let's say the forearm, as if I do you know, closer to the shoulder. Uh, you just might get more bang for your butt because you're occluding more musculature. Um, so this might be a, a silly question, but maybe if someone listening, I mean, I know if you just like tie a rubber band around your finger for a little bit, it might become irritating or painful. Um, if someone were to come and get this done, um, is there any additional pain associated with the exercise? Are, are people experiencing like discomfort with it or is it for the most part a, a fairly comfortable thing despite the fact that you are essentially putting a tourniquet on, on one of your legs. So I, I will say, it's, I wouldn't call it comfortable. It should never be painful. Okay. Uh, the cuffs, we first off, Matt, please don't tie a rubber band around your <laughs> home. Uh, and anybody listening, please don't do that. Um, the cuffs we use are, are very expensive. FDA approved broad-based tourniquets, pneumatic broad-based tourniquets. They have dual chambers. Um, they're modeled after what surgeons use okay. to occlude blood That's during surgery. So nobody will be tying rubber bands. Yes. Right. No, please, please don't rubber bands. Now, that being said, there are things you can buy online. Um, 
uh, they're called BFR restriction bands or blood flow bands or stuff like that. They're cheap. They're easy. They're like 20, 30 bucks. I do not recommend them. Okay. Um, they are out there. Uh, I don't recommend them for a multitude of reasons. One is you have no idea what the pressure is. Mm. So you could be going super, super high and not realizing it because, again, you don't know what you're going back to that limb occlusion pressure is. Everybody's got a different one. So right. personalized blood flow restriction. Um, the other being that the reason we use broad-based tourniquets is to avoid nerve damage. That's going back to the safety. Mm. One of the other concerns was can you get nerve damage? Continued pressure on a nerve on, on an area can lead to nerve damage. Uh, dispersing that same pressure uh, over you know eight ten mil millimeters versus one to two millimeters right. um, can still occlude the blood while not putting a ton of pressure on any single structure, uh, and that minimizes that risk of kind of nerve and vascular damage. Mm. So I guess that kind of leads me into my you know next question for everyone who's listening. They may be thinking, you know, this is great. I can do this at home, or next time I hit the gym. Uh, so, Connor, should a person do this on their own, at home, or in their own gym without supervision? Yeah, again, great question. Um, no. So, going back to the safety, I screen every patient that comes in. Um, I ask them about past medical history, history of blood clots, uh, any type of blood disorder they may have, like a uh, factor eight deficiency, um, history of rhabdomyolysis, um, stuff like that. Um, they're always, 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 always screened. Uh, someone doing this at home doesn't always know to ask, Does uh, how do I say this? They don't always know to look for those things. Right. Um, what I said before is you probably don't have access to the same cuffs that a healthcare professional does. Again, these are pretty expensive units, ranging anywhere from like $500 to $5,000. Um, I would strongly recommend not doing this yourself at home unless you have the proper training and or kind of supervision from a trained healthcare professional. So I guess that leads into our last question here is where could someone at home listening find a clinician who performs BFR? Well, if you're listening in this area, I do. <laughs> I'm located at Metro Physical Therapy. Um, I'm in the Rocky Point location. Um, you can also go on to Owens Recovery Science Institute. Uh, so just look up Owens Recovery BFR online. It'll bring you to their website, and they'll have clinicians. Um, another website is uh, Smart Cuffs. They do BFR. They'll, they, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe they have a list of clinicians that um, they've certified. Um, but you can also just Google, um, you know, physical therapists trained in blood flow restriction therapy, or athletic trainers trained in blood flow restriction therapy, and they. You know, they might. I know there's a, a few companies around here that advertise it, us being one of them, um, and they'll just kind of point you in the right direction. Great. That's good to hear. So, uh, Connor is the director, like you said, of our Rocky Point location, too. I know you do have your own private Instagram account where you put up some good content as well with a lot of yes. stuff. Yes. Yes. It's called The Fighting Physical Therapist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do a lot of uh, martial arts, Muay Thai, stuff like that, but there's a lot of um, BFR posts on there, too, if you're interested. I quote a lot of studies. I give a lot of informational content, so you can definitely check that out. Great. Well, uh, we'll also include that in the show notes if you want to uh, check out Connor's private page as well. Uh, Connor, thanks for being here with us, and uh, hope hopefully uh, everyone enjoyed this talk. Absolutely, guys. Thanks a lot for yeah. having me. Thanks, Connor.